0: The following podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice nor solicitation. Use of this podcast does not form any attorney-client relationship. This podcast makes no warranties and disclaims liability from damages resulting from its use. Please contact a licensed attorney in your state to discuss the specific circumstances of your legal matter. Hi, and welcome back to Court Jesters. I'm Kate. I'm Melissa. And we are a legal podcast that likes to talk about stories in old court cases, new court cases, things that we just find interesting and want to chat about. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a legal news story first off. Ooh. Um, what's going on now? My mom actually tipped me off to this, so... Um, I thought this was kind of cool, and it's been in the news a lot lately, but mm-hmm. um, I have an article written in the BBC News by Katherine Armstrong, um, and it's called Chat GPT, U.S. Lawyer Admits Using AI for Case Research. <laughs> so <laughs> in New York, a plaintiff sued an airline for personal injury, and the plaintiff's attorney filed a brief to defend a motion for summary disposition. Um, so the airline wanted the case dismissed and they're like, well, here's why we think it should not be dismissed. We should continue to trial. Um, so the plaintiff sounds like he won the motion, so they were going to continue to trial, but the defense wrote to the court that they could not verify the citations in the case precedent in the plaintiff's briefs. So the attorney for the plaintiff, Peter LaDuca, explained that he actually didn't write the brief. Another attorney in the firm did. So then.
1: Oh boy. Like, so,
0: first of all, your attorney on the case, you're like, yeah, actually, I didn't even write it. Someone else did, okay, yeah. which it happens all the time, but like, that's yeah. not an excuse. Um, yeah. So then all the blame fell on Stephen Schwart- Schwartz. Schwartz? Schwartz? It looked, there's no H. So it's like, I think it's Schwartz. Hmm. Um, so, but he's been an attorney for over 30 years. He claims he didn't know that Chat GPT would make up cases. And he claimed he's never used it before. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh,
1: that's so funny.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know what actually happened, what caused the lawsuit. Um, Yeah. Both attorneys are facing discipline. Moral of the story is don't sign your name to something you didn't read. Right. Let alone write. Like. Yeah. Come on. And then, like, a simple Google search would have verified if the cases you, if, if those cases were real or not. So right. let alone like paying extra for LexisNexis or Westlaw that I'm sure a large law firm has access to. Yeah. Like your your firm is paying a ton of money for this. And you're not, you're using chat GPT, right? You're breezing. Right. I mean, that's bad. But to yeah. be fair, I think this just kind of goes to show unrealistic work expectations of attorneys. And yeah, that even two true. attorneys with decades of experience are just checking out they're like eh, right ever just write this brief for me yeah so it's like well i feel ya
1: yeah <laughs> i was curious i asked um the i don't use the actual official app let me check what it's called um it's called genie and it uses the um the chat gpt is that what it's called yeah yeah it uses that and i asked it to write a motion to dismiss and it actually did a like a decent job but it didn't cite any cases in the one that it gave me it was just like the formatting but if you didn't know where to begin on something it would be a good like template
0: yeah i guess like with chat gpt and other sites like that it's like really dependent on how you write the prompts for what you want them to do yeah so i don't use it i should probably use it more like
1: i I just use it for for
0: a job or something yeah i've
1: just been using it for like fun things i was like write Mm -hmm. mrs dalloway as if taylor swift wrote it like you know and it gives Mm -hmm. me this like pop song with the like the summary of the plot of mrs dalloway um so it's like it was it was pretty cool um but yeah as far as actually using it I I don't know. I don't think it's there yet. The technology is too new. Yeah.
0: And it's like this. I mean, I think AI should be used more in the legal field. I, I yeah. think there is like, sure, it would be great if AI could write a brief and use real cases. Right. Th- that would be great. But like, obviously, you still have to check your work. Yeah, and exactly. It's yeah. Like, wasn't there like you'd think that you would especially if you've been an attorney for that long that you'd start using the same cases over and over and over again yeah unless it was maybe a
1: new issue of some sort but but still
0: do the actual right you would
1: think so (laughs) you would think you would need to (laughs) so
0: anyways that's actually leading into my self-care corner so it's not just you mental health gets a lot of lip service in every field um yeah it's Uh, Not just big law firms, but even in so-called helping industry or progressive organizations. I don't really have any hints or tips for this. Just be aware. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes just having that awareness helps you feel not so alone. Yeah. Did you have any uh, legal news or anything?
1: You know, I didn't. I didn't think to do that. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) No, that's all right. I just didn't want to like go right into our topic this week so okay well speaking of which our topic this week that we picked is social media Mm -hmm. um so i know at um my organization um we can't really give a lot of extended litigation advice to um self-represented or pro per pro se litigants because Mm -hmm. i mean I had a whole semester of evidence in law school that was not even enough to teach me like how to like go to court, file a motion, introduce evidence, laying foundations, blah, 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 blah. Like it's so to try and like coach someone to do that over the phone. It's like, it's just not, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, I will say there are a lot of tools online though, to help you out. And, uh, for Michigan, anyways, uh, mm. Lakeshore Legal Aid has a video section on their public website, and one of their videos is called Evidence, and I think it's pretty helpful. Hmm. So, um, the reason why I'm talking about evidence, obviously, social media. Um, generally, social media is admissible in court, and it's admissible as evidence. So, um, evidence is pretty complex, but there's three major issues. There's relevance hearsay and authentication. Um, So is this piece of evidence relevant? Is it admissible or is it hearsay? (laughs) And I'll get into hearsay in a minute. And then you have to show, like, how did you obtain this? Is this real? Is this legitimate? Mm -hmm. So for social media, obviously, it can be relevant. um, And it's usually an exception to the hearsay rule. Um, so hearsay is any out of court statement. So other than if you're in court talking to the judge, usually something is an out of court statement. So basically everything's hearsay, um, mm-hmm. but there's so many exceptions. So for social media, it's a hearsay exception because it's a public statement. Um, now, there's some murky gray areas when it comes to like DMs or uh, friends only or private profiles. Um, But generally, if you're posting like a status update somewhere, that's usually for public consumption. Um, But a lot of problems tend to come up with the authentication of how did you get this? Mm -hmm. Um, So um, Bosco Legal Services has a website, and I believe that they are more of like a PI sort of firm. Hmm. Um, what it, it seemed like, but they actually had a lot of really good, just good information. So there's, um, the federal rule of evidence rule number 902 sub rule 14 established the rules for electronic data, such as social media posts that may be admissible in court. Um, of course, however, different States and different courtrooms will vary in their requirements for introducing social media evidence into discovery, Um, Due to the possibility of impersonation, false authorship, and fake accounts, some judges may require counsel to firmly eliminate the chance that any person other than the accused party could have created the post or photos. On the other hand, some courtrooms may treat social media evidence more akin to traditional evidence and evaluate evaluate it on the basis that a reasonable juror would believe the supposed author created the content. Um, and I believe Michigan is more of a reasonable juror. And I think it really depends on the matter, like the subject matter courtroom mm-hmm. you're in. So I've got a lot of experience in family law. I've never really seen there be a lot of issues with admitting <laughs> admitting social media posts to a referee Yeah. or like a judge. Um, yeah. Usually a judge will ask okay is this your is this your account sir and usually right person's like yeah that's my account so there's usually i mean it's pretty rare that someone's like that's a completely fake account that's not mine yeah otherwise you're committing perjury right right but, um because usually people don't think that what they're posting is going to be incriminating <laughs> <but usually> yeah <laughs> <it is. laughs> uh, okay yep. okay so, in general, the basis of establishing social media evidence authenticity includes three main principles proof of authorship or account ownership, forensic preservation, and establishing reliability. Proof of authorship, this is circumstantial evidence that requires a thorough record of supporting documents or witnesses. This usually is metadata, digital signatures, as established in Federal Rules of Evidence 90214. Um, witness accounts that indicate a person is indeed the owner and author of a certain post, uh, username or profile photos, and if they're used consistently across different social media platforms. Because um, usually people keep the same name. I do yeah. I still have my Yahoo screen name from like 2004 that I still use for <laughs> pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, and then for forensic preservation... This is full metadata. I think this is more for, like, the criminal cases. A lot of the, Mm -hmm. like, white-collar more, like, when you have a ton of IT people shifting through things. Um, Because I don't know what metadata looks like. Um, But they make sure that they're... Experts evaluate to make sure there's no alteration or changes. All the transcripts or transfer of information must be properly documented. It's basically like the chain of custody that you would use in any physical evidence, but it's on a digital platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also compel social media platforms themselves to provide certain data, such as account information or IP addresses, to further substantiate uh, the time, location, or computer from which a post was made. Um, again, I think of this more of in the criminal realm of like, especially the, um, child pornography mm-hmm. content. Like I would think mm-hmm. that would be all forensic. Right.
1: Yeah. Computer yep.
0: stuff. Um, and then third establishing reliability, the way in which a platform ensures the secure collection and storage of personal information can support authentication if the company uses measures such as two-factor authentication, verified public accounts, and email confirmation, this can boost your claim. So, if you got that blue check mark next to your <laughs> name, I mean, it's going to be hard to say, "Oh, that's a fake account." Um, though so. I wonder,
1: like, because I think of like the people with the blue check mark are usually mm-hmm. like celebrities. So, like, are they really the people posting? Though they usually have like PR teams. So it's almost like that seems like it's less trustworthy to me.
0: But also, it's like you hire like it's your agents that That's are true. on your yeah. behalf. So yeah, it's like be careful who you who hire you hire. To use yeah, social media.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: So kind of given that boring background, <laughs> I was trying to like not make this super boring, but it's like you kind of have to have some idea of. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, I do have a story. um, And this is... um, I got a couple different sources from this. But the main one was by Simon McMichael. Cyclist who dishonestly claimed 60 pounds compensation after collision caught out by Strava posts. So... Uh, this is from England, which is why I said pounds <laughs> and Strava seems to be a social media platform that like tracks your, um, athletic journeys. So like, oh, okay. uh, this one was cycling, but I think it also tracks like running, jogging, hiking, okay. that sort of thing. So you can like post yeah. a map or just right. how many miles you did, how many calories yeah. you burned, that sort of thing. Um, so this. This guy's name is Mr. Andy Airy from Bristol. He was knocked off of his bicycle while riding to work in 2015, and he claimed 60 pounds, 60,000 pounds for pain, suffering, and loss of amenity, medical treatment, and handicap on the open labor market. The driver admitted responsibility, but the insurance company, QBE, hired a law firm BLM. So there's lots of acronyms. <laughs> and it's like BLM, I'm like automatically like, oh Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.
1: That's what I thought too as soon as you said it. Nope, it's a law, it's the
0: law firm. Um so the law firm, their fraud intelligence team unearthed a number of social media posts from Strava that said, okay, you were probably not really in that much pain and suffering if you were doing all these physical yeah. activities. So four weeks before the he had to do like an exam to show, like, his disability. So Mm -hmm. four weeks before the exam, this is after the accident, he did a 10-mile run, and two months later, a 10 uh, or 100-kilometer bike ride. On the day of the exam itself, he rode his bike for 20 kilometers, and another source stated Facebook and Strava posts included Aries' 10-mile run for four weeks prior to his medical exam, a 100-kilometer bike ride two weeks before the checkup, a 20-mile bike ride, uh, on examination day and a hundred and two mile bike ride seven weeks afterwards. So the two sources were going, one was in miles and one was in kilometers. And yeah, I'm like I can't keep track of this, but it <laughs> sounds like a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, a hundred and two mile bike ride. No, 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 no. I can't do that. And I wasn't hit by a truck. So after being shown the evidence, Aries' medical expert agreed his own medical expert agreed that the road traffic collision could not have been the cause of his injuries and that was more likely to be due to the onset of a degenerative condition. Hmm. He ended up dropping his claim for damages, but the law firm pursued a finding of fundamental dishonesty against him and he was then found liable in order to pay the defendant's costs of around forty thousand pounds. Ooh, well, no. So so he thought he was gonna get sixty pounds. Sixty thousand yeah. pounds. He ends up having to pay forty thousand pounds. And yeah. It resulted in a savings to the insurance company of around 145 thousand pounds in damages and legal costs. Wow! So it's like if you're gonna try to defraud someone, like don't post on social media. Yeah, <laughs> but I will say this, in fairness to Andy, because the world is not black and white, people are not black and white. Um, I don't like who wouldn't love a, p- a payout from a soulless insurance company. Right he's and like he's it doesn't really, sound
1: to me like it was intentional really but right. i mean we don't and know it's
0: not like they like this was set up or right or anything like that he did get hit by a truck the driver did admit he was at fault but yeah. it was just like he didn't get it as injured as he was claiming apparently right. um and also he's not a bad guy he made some bad decisions but like um he's not the only person to get caught like this at mm-hmm. all and assuming this is the same andy airy for from the united kingdom which i'm pretty sure it is i found more information on andy and Mm -hmm. he's actually part of a trio called three dads walking that formed after they all suffered a terrible loss of their daughters to suicide Um, they organized sponsored walks to fundraise all over all over and they ended up raising eight hundred and eighty thousand pounds for charity and now they are calling on the government to make suicide prevention a compulsory part of the school curriculum Mm -hmm. and andy is still posting publicly on strava (laughs) i'm just just like you're not stopping okay
1: (laughs) you gotta track those runs yeah that is
0: that's just a total kind of his personality so yeah glad to see he's still biking, still running, still doing good things in the world. So yeah, as much as he made a mistake, he obviously learned from it. Hopefully other people can learn from it too. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is my story for the week.
1: All right. Well, I have a story for you too. So this one is the story of Bianca Devins. And so Bianca was a sort of Instagram famous 17 year old girl. It's like some sources say that she was like completely an Insta-famous girl, but then other sources are like, no, she only had a few followers and then everything blew up and then she got a ton of followers after everything happened. So it's unclear. But either way, mm-hmm. she had at least 2,000 followers is the the lowest number I saw. So like oh, that's she...
0: still a lot. It's
1: still a lot. Yeah. So maybe not quite famous, but like she was a popular girl. Um, She was from Utica, New York, and she had just graduated from high school and was planning to attend Mohawk Valley Community College in the fall to study psychology. Uh, She was interested in psychology because of her own struggles with depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, and PTSD. She had actually been hospitalized several times as a teen because of her mental illness. And I really related to that. Like I majored in psychology largely for the same reasons, because I had struggled with my own depression and anxiety as a teen. Um, And so she had, you know, good intentions trying to help other people through the same stuff that she had gone through. In around April 2019, Bianca met a 21-year-old guy on Instagram named Brandon Clark, and the two quickly became friends. Uh, Police would later believe that the two were actually dating, or at least intimate, but Bianca's family and friends have always denied this. Uh, Bianca's mom, in fact, said that she had asked Bianca directly um, whether or not she was dating Brandon, and Bianca had insisted that the two were just friends, um, but that she knew Brandon liked her and wanted to be more than that
0: why did the police think they were dating
1: um i think they're just looking for an explanation okay. as to what goes down later and. on yeah yeah <laughs> or there's just this assumption that they're two uh, young girl and young guys so they must be dating you know <laughs> not not the best of police work but no it's no. fine um Some of Bianca's friends also said that she and Brandon weren't really all that close, but that Brandon would manipulate her by bringing her drugs and then trying to have sex with her after she got high. Um, So that was kind of their dynamic. Doesn't sound like it was the healthiest of relationships between the two of them. On July 13th of 2019, Bianca and Brandon went to a concert together along with another male friend of theirs who was named Alex. Brandon was 21 at the time. Bianca is still 17. At the concert, Bianca and Alex became affectionate with each other, holding hands and kissing. And when Brandon saw this, he became infuriated. And him and Bianca had actually had a physical fight at the concert itself. And nonetheless, it seemed like things did calm down between them. And then they wound up leaving the concert together. I'm not quite sure what happened to Alex. Maybe he had his own ride. But either way, Bianca winds up going home with just Brandon And she actually had fallen asleep in the backseat of the car while Brandon was driving them home.
0: So, wait, she had a physical fight with Brandon and then left with him?
1: Yeah. Yep. So it seemed like they had kind of resolved things. And she's falling asleep. So, like, she must think that everything is good. Um, However, at some point during the drive home, Brandon pulled over to the side of the road and woke her up. They then started fighting again, and at some point he pulls out a knife that he had in the vehicle, and then he slits Bianca's throat. Uh, While she's bleeding out, he takes photos of her, and then he posts them to Instagram with the caption, I'm sorry, Bianca. Uh, he then leaves her body in the car. He starts a bonfire on the side of the road. He turns on some music. And then he goes on to his own Instagram. He goes to the bio to change his... Um, he changes the Instagram bio to say his full name with the dates 10 6 through 7-14-19. And just know that I feel no pain now. So seemingly with the plan to commit suicide... He also then posts another photo of himself holding a knife that says, thanks to everybody who is good to me, I'll miss you all. From there, he calls police and he tells them what he's done and that he is going to kill himself as well. Uh, He specifically says on the 911 call, my name is Brandon. The victim is Bianca Michelle Devins. I'm not going to stay on the phone for long because I need to do the suicide part of the murder-suicide. Which is, like, (laughs) not funny, but, like, it's like he's, it's talking himself into this right exactly yeah so police arrive on scene and when they get there they find a message on the ground in black spray paint that says may you never forget me an officer attempts to calm brandon down but brandon pulls out a knife and he winds up stabbing himself in the neck um, somehow he also manages to then take a photo of his own slit throat, which is like gushing blood at the time. He takes this very violent photo. He also posts this to Instagram. So the officer had gone to the scene alone. So then he calls for backup. In the meantime, Brandon continues to take selfies with Bianca's body, and he's posting them all to Instagram.
0: Is anyone seeing these posts and like trying? I think to- so. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, so why did they only send one person?
1: Right. So I don't think like actively someone was looking at the posts and trying to call police or anything like that. But they definitely went viral soon after this happened. Um,
0: Okay. Yeah, that's right. You did say that.
1: Yeah. So the officer calls for backup. He continues to take selfies. An ambulance finally arrives on scene and Brandon is rushed to the hospital. So meanwhile, this does begin to break in the news. Um, People are initially convinced that it's a hoax, though. They think this is just two kids who are acting. They're doing these fake photos for attention on Instagram. And Instagram took down brandon's account by this point so reporters couldn't actually see it firsthand so no one really knew what the truth was but the photos were saved and reshared on numerous other sites including facebook twitter 4chan and 8chan and the latter two were in a really celebratory matter um so there are hundreds were. of posts praising brandon for quote-unquote another 4chan murder Um, Pictures were shared under the hashtag YesJuliet, which was later blocked by Facebook in an attempt to stop the photos from spreading, which I don't even fully understand the hashtag because Romeo, I'm assuming it's from Romeo and Juliet, which is not a murder-suicide. It's a double suicide. So I'm not sure why we're romanticizing this. It's like not a great thing to romanticize. But... That apparently was how these photos were spreading, and that hashtag was blocked by Facebook in an attempt to stop the photos from spreading further. Uh, Instagram, on the other hand, sent numerous responses to flagged photos, saying that the photos wouldn't be removed because they didn't violate community guidelines. So, great job there, Instagram. Um, I did watch a show on this. Um, it was just a short, I believe it was from the Daily Post, like a little video online. I can post a link to it too. Um, they do interview a criminologist in this to see what they think about, you know, why this all went down. Um, the criminologist says the most fascinating part about the case is not so much the social media as everyone is posting everything they do these days. Um, so it's not surprising to him that, you know, if you're involved in a violent crime that you would maybe post that cuz that's just something mm-hmm. that that happened to you. Yeah. Um but the more fascinating question is what would cause him to murder her over something so little. Um so there are times when people become so obsessed with another person that they think they need to kill the person in order to experience relief from the obsession. And then the other theory of this case would be that he simply became extremely angry and jealous and he killed her because he didn't get his way, which I think is the more likely. Scenario personally, but who knows? So um, the criminologist also believes that the fact that Brandon called police before he attempted to kill himself means that he didn't really want to die. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted the police to save his life. I do agree with yeah. that. That seems especially because he didn't even attempt suicide until the police were there. So not only did he call them ahead of time, he waited till the officer was on the scene to stab himself. So it was likely that he was going to get medical attention. I um, mean, he actually did survive. So he wound up ple- uh, pleading guilty to second degree murder, which they I think they definitely could have got him on first degree because he had the knife in the vehicle and also... He had to pull the car over, pull her out of the vehicle. There were just a lot of times when he could have walked away. So I think they definitely could have got first degree if they pushed for it. I'm guessing he got a decent yeah. plea bargain out of I, the second degree.
0: Yeah, I was just wondering maybe he just pled to the, the it, second
1: Exactly. Degree. I think that's what it was probably just a plea agreement, this is why it's second instead of first. Um, that was on February tenth of twenty twenty. And then he faced 25 years to life for this offense, and ultimately he was sentenced to 25 years with the possibility of parole at that time, though he could still technically serve a life sentence if parole is not granted.
0: And if it was um, first degree, does that put death penalty on the table? I don't know that New York doesn't have the death penalty anymore, though. I don't
1: think so um so no it might have had a mandatory life sentence though as opposed to the 25 years yeah that would be my guess i don't know for sure what new york law is though yeah but and that's the story unfortunately of bianca devins that's that's all i have
0: (laughs) oh my goodness
1: yeah all right well i don't think we have anything else for this week this is kind of a short episode but yeah
0: I don't know. It was hard because it's like there were. I don't know. I try to find family law again because it's like yeah. I know there's good juicy stories out there, but it's like again the problem with family law is it doesn't really hit the news that often,
1: right? So yeah,
0: because it's such a common thing. Yeah, but it's like on a daily basis I hear so many people, but on yeah. Facebook this is happening. I'm like people. Don't put yeah. it over Facebook. <laughs> Just don't
1: put it. Yeah. I remember getting into like a Facebook debate, I guess I would call it, uh, when we were still in law school. Um, this guy had posted, um, like he had tagged a mutual friend in a picture of him smoking a joint and marijuana was not legal in Michigan at the point. And so I was like, you should maybe take this down. And the guy was like, no police are on social media looking for marijuana. And I was like, you're that's hysterical. A, you're cute. You're an idiot. Oh that's my cute. God. <laughs> oh, my uh,
0: gosh. Well, I'm glad we at least have, even though it's a short, I'm glad we're back because we took a bit yeah. of a hiatus there. Yeah, we did. So, OK. Well, hopefully all of our tech issues are resolved. Because last time I said I said it last <laughs> time. It. And then it was not good. So. <laughs>
1: oh boy we think we got it figured out yeah so yeah but all right that's all that we have so we will see you next week
0: all right well catch us. and remember yeah remember wait, wait, to wait. always oh we forgot stuff yeah we go have ahead things. <laughs> yeah you could email us at court courtjusters- <laughs> yes podcast Podcast. yes it took me a second at gmail.com and then we're also on instagram at court jesters no podcast podcast court court jesters court jesters yes because the other one was taken (laughs) (laughs) um and then please contact us if you have any questions or stories you want us to share um we will try our best And if you feel that we've gotten anything wrong, please let us know because, of course, we get things wrong. So, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we don't want we want to learn and correct us so that we are providing accurate information. So, right. um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And always remember to call a lawyer. Yes. Yes. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.